In our second reading, we heard from St. James. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. And he describes how farmers are patiently await the harvest. And this is the same reading we get every third Sunday of Advent, every third year. And I always take this opportunity to preach on the virtue of patience. And I do so for two reasons. First, because I need to be reminded about this virtue, because I find it difficult to master. Secondly, because patience is a particularly Advent virtue. It's about the art of waiting well. One of the early theologians in the church, a man named Tertullian, wrote an excellent essay on patience. He said that patience has been given such preeminence in matters pertaining to God that no one can fulfill any precept or perform any work pleasing to the Lord without it. Impatience is, as it were, the original sin. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, in paradise. They could eat of any tree except for the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, representing eternal life and discernment. And the thing is that God intended to give them these, but they had to wait to receive them as gift. And what do they do instead? They reach out to take it for themselves. And we can think almost every sin involves some kind of shortcut to happiness. Think about, you know, when you're having difficulty and pain and you reach out to sinful things to try to escape that, right? Instead of, again, patiently cooperating with God's plan and learning what God wants you to learn. Sometimes I'm meeting young couples who are in love and they want to get married. And unfortunately, many of them are already doing merry things. They're doing those things that are appropriate to only after they've formed a marriage covenant with each other and with God. And so I try to encourage them to you know, take a step back and, and renew a, a proper courtship as they're preparing for marriage. Sometimes I will ask them, I said, did you like Christmas as a kid? Oh yes, Father. Do you like being, you know, on that morning you were waiting for these gifts and you opened them up and how special it was when you opened those gifts? Oh yes, Father. And I say, well, now imagine you opened all your Christmas gifts in July. Would Christmas be a special? No, right? Things of great and lasting value take time to develop. James Garfield was a president of our country, but he also served for a while as a president of a college. And one time, a father of one of his students made an appointment. Father asked him if it was possible that his son's course of studies could be shortened. And Garfield replied, certainly, but it all depends on what you want to make of your boy. When God wants to make an oak tree, he takes a hundred years. When he wants to make a squash, he requires only two summers. In Advent, we enter into the long waiting of humanity for the first Christmas. God promised King David that David would have an heir who would reign forever. But it took a thousand years for that heir to be born, Jesus Christ. But God chose the right moment in history, and many people have reflected on how providential it was that Christ came when and where he came. The Roman Empire encompassed a huge number of people and a vast swath of territory. And within it, there was order. There was security in traveling roads, which was almost unprecedented any time in any place in human history. And those first Christian missionaries used that orderly government and roads 
to transmit the gospel over a large, large space. There were already Jewish communities living throughout the empire, not only in the Roman Empire, but in the Persian Empire as well. These were Jews from the diaspora, from the, the times when, for example, the northern kingdom fell to Assyria. And these dispersed Jewish communities became the nucleus of Christian communities. So you can see all these things that just were right, that were in place for the coming of the Messiah. Even the best of us, though, can have difficulty being patient with God's plan. Jesus said of John the Baptist, no one greater has been born of woman than he. And he was the one who identified Jesus. He said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He had baptized Jesus when the voice of the Father was heard, saying, this is my beloved Son. But now John is in prison. He's been unjustly imprisoned by Herod because he criticized Herod's unlawful marriage. And perhaps in prison, he's beginning to have doubts. And so he sends disciples to ask Jesus if he's the one that they've been waiting for, if there's another one. And Jesus responds. He says, tell them what you see and hear. Right? The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. These are all works that Jesus did, but these are not only miracles, they're signs. We heard in the prophet Isaiah in our first reading. These are the signs of the arrival of the Messiah. I'd like us to reflect on the virtue of patience in four ways. First, patience with ourselves. Secondly, patience with others. Thirdly, patience with the situation. And finally, patience with God. St. Francis de Sales said, have patience with all things, but first of all with yourself. Sometimes people come to confession and they begin by saying, Father, I'm here to confess the same things I usually confess. Right? There's certain habitual struggles that we have and... Um, and sometimes people get very discouraged and they don't think they're making much progress. Now, I, I see things differently. I do see them making progress. I do see value in the struggle. Um, and so St. Francis de Sales says you have to learn to be patient with yourself because the process of growing in holiness it takes time. It takes God's grace and our perseverance. Right? And I think also it's a good idea to, to set you know, small, modest goals in growing in certain areas in your life. Things that you can do little by little that are achievable. And over time, you'll see that indeed you have grown in holiness. Patience with others, with other people's shortcomings. A man was grocery shopping and his two-year-old son was in the grocery cart making quite a fuss. And the man whispered, be patient, Billy. You can handle this, Billy. It's okay, Billy. A woman observing this approached the man. She said, sorry to bother you, but I just had to tell you how wonderfully gentle and patient you are with little Billy. The man replied, actually, my son's name is Patrick. My name is Billy. <laughs> so when someone upsets us, and if possible, you know, and if someone upsets us, our anger is high, and if possible, we should wait to address it for a while until we have cooled down. This is true so often. People get a text message or an email that upsets them and they, just, they send something out right away. Better to wait. Just wait a bit. Your response is, is going to be less impassioned and I think more reasonable, more, more fairer. Um, also too, you know, I try to keep in mind how patient God has been with me. 
Um, there's a time in my life where God wasn't that important to me, where I was certainly a sinner on the road to hell. But God patiently worked with me and revealed himself. And so we should have patience towards others. Patience with a situation. Oftentimes there's frustrating situations beyond our control, uh, things we get stuck in, we wish would be over, things like traffic, you know. Um, but, you know, really, there is no wasted moments if we have the right perspective. When you're stuck in traffic, you can pray. There's all these wonderful podcasts now. You should have, you know, Father Mike Smith's Bible in a year. Have that, you know, uh, teed up on your phone. Your phone's talking to your car and all this stuff, right? And you can listen to that while you're waiting. You're in a meeting or you're at a class. It seems boring and pointless. There's certainly still things for you to learn. Maybe you learn you don't want to be in those meetings anymore and try to avoid them. No, I don't know. Um, uh, maybe you learn something about yourself. Maybe you're too easily bored, huh? Oftentimes in our minds, we can live in the past or we can live in the future, but in actuality, we can only live in the present moment. And this is where we find God. Finally, patience with God. We've been praying for something and God hasn't given it to us. We're in a difficult situation. God hasn't seemed to rescue us. Where is God? Why is he taking his time? This is something the early Christians answered when they were experiencing persecution. St. Peter addresses that in his second letter. He first of all wants the Christians to understand, you know, God's outside of time. He says to God, a thousand days, a thousand years are like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. And he explains that what seems to us like delay is actually God is setting things up to maximize salvation. He says, the Lord does not delay in keeping his promise since he wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. Everything is present to God at once, but he decrees a passing of time and unfolding of events according to a perfect wisdom, which is beyond us. Jesus said that John the Baptist is the greatest born of women, but he says the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And he's actually speaking about those of us who are members of the church because we get a benefit that John the Baptist didn't get. The Messiah has come. And yes, we await his second coming when he brings everything to perfection. But in between, he is with us. He is with us now. He lives in our souls. He's with us when we gather in this Eucharistic assembly. So the Lord that we wait for is with us. The Blessed Virgin Mary teaches us to wait patiently. As Christ was formed in her womb for nine months, so too he is being formed in our souls. So that just as she shared him with the world at his birth, so we, will t we also will share him with others so that all might love and adore Emmanuel, God with us.